My name is Jessica Knight, and this is the Relationship Recovery Podcast. It takes me a while to put together these episodes, like usually several hours, and this one took even longer. I kept wondering what was going on, like what was preventing me from talking about something I talk about literally every single day with my client base. But after sitting with it for a while, I realized that Talking about gaslighting in detail is difficult because I'm still dealing with a lot of the psychological effects from having been gaslit for a long time. I still don't fully trust myself and my self-esteem. I mean, it's, it's always been, but and always will be, but it's definitely still a work in progress. I find myself still wanting validation that I'm not crazy when I'm finding myself being looped up in my thoughts and... I don't find myself biting the gaslighting bullet anymore, per se. Like, I don't fall into the pattern of allowing somebody to gaslight me. It's hard not to react to it, even in my own head, and not want to explain something or explain to them, like, how wrong they are. So my hope in this podcast is to simplify the concept of gaslighting to something that you can digest, because a lot of people talk about gaslighting, especially on Instagram, But not a lot of people talk about exactly how it feels and how it shows up. And I hope I'm able to offer you some help in starting to un-gaslight yourself. Gaslighting is incredibly painful. And it is an actual form of psychological manipulation that affects your memory, your perception, your sanity, and your reality. To gaslight someone is to basically plant seeds of doubt in their mind that makes them question their own sense of truth and reality like memory, or even sense of judgment, their perceptions, their feelings, their thoughts. It's basically meant to convince someone that what they see they didn't see, and what they hear they didn't hear, and what they feel they don't feel, and if they do feel it, they don't have a reason to feel it. The gaslighter can be so convincing that they even cause you to believe that you know more than, that they know more than you do. They'll even say, I know you better than you know yourself. Or, come on, I'm not stupid when talking to you about your own feelings. People often ask me, why would they do that? Why would somebody who claims to love me want me to doubt my reality? And the best answer I ever heard was, if you start distrusting yourself, you'll have to trust them more. People gaslight because if you start distrusting yourself, you'll have to trust them more. Which allows them to control you. They want to get away with things and grooming you to believe them when they say that they're not. That puts them in a position of power and a position of control. And this doesn't just have to be with cheating, although it can be. And it certainly is. But it's mostly or I've seen it mostly in wanting to be able to be in control of the plans, be in control of the arguments, wanting you to be responsible for their emotions and anger and rage, and wanting to control how things are talked about. It's intended to make you feel small and your voice less superior than theirs. And you'll probably feel and believe that you are wrong. And that the manipulator will even say, I know I'm right, with so much confidence in what they're saying that you won't even see or feel their hidden agenda at first. You'll only hear that you're wrong 
and how right they are and how confident they are that they are right, that you don't really have a place to say anything. And while this is happening, your reality or what you know to be your reality just starts to fade away. And there's only one real reality that you can rely on, which is theirs. So here are some common things that gaslighters will say. You're overreacting. You're so dramatic. This is your problem to deal with. It was a joke. Have a sense of humor. Can you hear yourself? Are you listening to what you're saying right now? It didn't happen that way. I don't know what you're talking about. Didn't happen that way. You've brought this up a million times. Didn't happen that way. Why would you think that? What does that say about you? Your emotions are your own responsibility. Never said that. You're so insecure. That's the problem. I imagine some of you are pretty triggered right now. We're going to talk about a few more examples of what this looks like and what it sounds like. And I'm going to share a personal example with you today. And I honestly have so many of these examples that it was I was struggling to choose just one. But I decided to go with one that I felt was digestible. Um, I recorded this entire podcast and spoke about the one that was the thread throughout my entire relationship and decided, you know what? This one is going to be clearer for everybody to understand. And there'll be time for that one to come out too. So one day, um, I was, I was going to see my partner to go out for drinks. It was like for an event that he wanted to go to at a certain time in his neighborhood. And I usually have clients every night of the week, especially on a Monday. So it's rare for me to go out on a Monday, but I planned for it and I was looking forward to it because I definitely wanted to incorporate some more of that into my week. And that day, I actually had an entire day of catching up. And it felt really good. I literally didn't speak to another human being other than my child all day. And it was a long day, but it was a productive one. Around, you know, 6 p.m. or so, he asked when I'm leaving. And I tell him, you know, I think I said something like, in five minutes, I'm walking the dog. Um, and I don't hear back. And so I assume he just jumped in the shower, you know, and I head to his place. I get stuck in, like, super annoying traffic on the way and have trouble finding parking. This is all par for the course. And I still heard nothing, and I thought, okay, maybe he got a work call. I get there, and he's asleep on the couch. And over a year together, I've walked in on him in the shower, getting dressed on an urgent work call, stressed out about something, not even home, but never asleep. And I didn't want to wake him up abruptly. And I also kind of knew where this could go. I was like, I don't, he's going to feel a sense of shame and I don't want him to feel bad. So how can I react to show him I'm not mad? Like, I'm not mad. This, this happens. So I decided to just let the dog go and go up to him to wake him up. And he wakes up and he says, don't be mad at me. I go, I'm not. And he gives me a one-handed hug hello when he gets up and doesn't say anything else. 
he had recently gotten rid of a couch. So I sat on the steps um, to his apartment and just finished up responding to a few emails that I didn't get. And just to be clear, I didn't like leave the house. The steps were inside the house. So this wasn't like I walked out and was angry or made like a one of those. I didn't stonewall or anything like that. I I sat and I pulled out my phone and I tried to finish up the few things I didn't finish up before I left that day. He gets he gets up at, and like is getting dressed. He comes out and tells me, you know, that, you know, he doesn't want me to be angry at him. And I'm like, I'm not. I just don't want to be up your ass. I don't know what to say. And, you know, I, I definitely was walking on eggshells at this point because I could tell he was like a little frantic. He just certainly wasn't getting ready. And I was just like, I'm not, I'm not mad. Like, and I really didn't want to get into a fight over not being mad. I just really wanted to respond to my emails and leave. Or, well, for us to leave. And he, and I, and he just is like staring at me and goes, you're a life coach. It's your job to speak to people and you don't know what to say. And that's when I realized where this was going. Like, all right, because I didn't have the perfect answer and perfect response to me walking in to him being asleep, this is now going to be my fault. And I was like, <laughs> you know. I believe at that time, like the truth is I wasn't really necessarily happy with him. I mean, I certainly wasn't happy after that comment, but I just really wanted to do what was planned. And he goes, you're sitting on your steps on your phone. And I go, yeah. He goes, you never sit there. I reply, you threw out your couch yesterday. I'm just trying to give you some space so you can get yourself together. And then he starts nailing in on how upset I look. And I reply that I'm tired. He points out that it's 7.40 p.m. now, and I shouldn't be tired. So then I point out the one that he was the one who was asleep. I try to explain that, you know, I just drove there. I circled for parking. I walked the dog. He didn't reply, so I was a little confused. I wasn't mad. I was just arriving. And I just felt like he was, he was making me being mad into something for him to react to rather than just getting ready. He had responded to that with, there's always 16 things to a reason as to why you are the way you are. So devaluing, 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 something we talked a lot about in the last session, you know, in the last podcast around this idea that your reality and what you think is not valid enough. It's not, you know, if you did, you know, if I got stuck in a half an hour of traffic that was annoying or if I, you know, couldn't find parking, had to circle the same block 12 times, doesn't fucking matter because doesn't matter to him. Doesn't, I'm supposed to be happy. So the cycle continues like for about another hour and during this time he honed in on all of my mannerisms. You look down, you looked up, you did, you, you look sad. As, and as we were in the depths of why I can't be tired and need to show up happy, you know, I, I think I like, I leaned in hard on like the, look, if I showed in that, showed up that way, I'm fine. I'm sorry. But he tells me I shouldn't be complaining about driving in the first place. So I remember pulling back and going, look, you're essentially the first person I'm speaking to today. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. 
you know, I'm not mad that you're asleep. I'm mad that you're talking to me to the way, the way that you're talking to me. And he then tells me, if you weren't mad, you would have walked in and snuggled me. And I go, what? And he goes, any other person would have walked in and snuggled. Anyone else. They would have walked in, sat on the couch, and cuddled. And in that moment, I was like, I just, I was like, I guess I realized there was one specific way I could have shown up. The rules of the game were not communicated to me. I can't read his mind, and therefore I never would have won. So continuing down this fight or this argument or this disagreement, I'm not getting anywhere. And at this point is when I start to go pretty silent. He continues on with that in a while. For a while, anyone in the world would have just walked over and cuddled. He then eventually said he was sorry. And then he said he wasn't sorry, probably about a second later. You know, and then at one point I said, I'm upset because I've been standing here for an hour and 45 minutes doing this. And I paid a babysitter. And then he told me that it wasn't an hour and 45 minutes. So then I verified the time. Because at that point, I was done being told I was wrong. And then the whole conversation turned on to how I need to walk into his apartment happy. I can't walk in negative. I can't be tired. And this continued and it continued. And I felt like a failure. You know, I I said all I said more than once, like, look, I did not know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I thought I, I did the best that I could, you know, and I had a few more okay life coach comments thrown at me. And at the end of the day, I was like, I felt like he was just on a mission to make me say I was mad at him so that he could be mad at me, so he could say I was irrational. And I wasn't gonna let myself go to that place. This is this had been going on for a long time. At the end of all of this, he said, I want to go, I want to go out and get food. I said I wasn't hungry. And then all of this turned to the fact that he, he was upset with me for not eating all day. I said, I ate numerous times today. I'm not hungry right now. But as you can imagine so far, the conversation continued. And I remember standing there as this was happening, especially towards the end, thinking, like, I'm watching myself be incessantly blamed in grave detail of everything I did wrong when I was never mad, but I had to apologize for being mad and even wonder if I was mad because he told me I was mad. And I just, like, and I realized what he was doing. He feels bad, so he's making me the bad guy so he doesn't have to feel anything at all. And when I left, I cried my entire way home and I journaled for two hours to ungaslight myself and ask myself, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what am I doing? There was nothing I could have done other than share a brain with him that would have made this okay. And when this happens, one person's narrative is right and one is wrong. And in this case, in the case with most abusive relationships, there's only one right person and one wrong person. You're only right if you follow the rules and agree to everything they say on how you think. 
So in reflecting on what came up in this example, it definitely had a, it definitely had a lot of signs of gaslighting. In the situation, they're not blatant lies or cover-ups. For example, I cheated on you, you found out, and now I'm mad at you for looking at my phone. This one has, it fucked up and cannot feel uncomfortable feelings, so instead of owning my part, I'm going to make you the wrong one. And when this is going on, or this was going on, I really started to think I was crazy. I'd go to my friends and I'd ask them if I was crazy. I'd explain a story just to get how somebody thought. And they typically would be like, Jess, stop. You're not. But I was constantly in a place where I had to defend my reality. And so if you find yourself feeling like you have to defend what you believe to be real, you're being gaslit. So let's try and just break this down a little further. When you're being gaslit, you'll they will bluntly tell you that you're wrong and that you're lying. If you try them how you feel, what you think, and what you really want, you will still be told that you're wrong. And so in this example, I was told I was mad way more like way more than once than I wasn't. I then had to apologize for being mad and having a face that looked mad. It's also very common to be told you're too sensitive. And all those words were not said here. There was an aura of you're too sensitive when I was talking about the driving stuff. Like it was ridiculous to have any feelings about being in traffic and driving and even more ridiculous on what it takes to find parking coming from somebody who does not have a car. If someone tells you that you're too sensitive, they're, they're saying that they deny the reality of how you feel. They're basically saying that you don't have the right to exist in a world as naturally as you do. What is too sensitive and not too sensitive will be therefore defined by them. However, it's actually their issue that they can't handle being vulnerable. In this situation, it's important to note, I never said any of these things until I had to defend why I was mad when I never was. When he said anyone would just come snuggle, it's a sweeping generalization that encompasses the entire population except for you. Just to show you that you're wrong based on this imaginary poll of the entire world that they have conducted. How do they know what everybody thinks? How could you not see yourself as crazy when you're being told that? If someone who's supposed to care about you is looking at you and saying anybody else in the entire world would think something differently, there's only one place for you to be, and that's wrong. So, and by saying this, he gives himself the right to tell everyone in his life how ridiculous I am for being mad, causing me to look like the crazy person. This is a key part of gaslighting. It's omitting facts that actually happened and not telling a full story so that they start to believe that side of the story themselves as well. And then other people repeat it back to you, family, friends, etc., as if it was real when it wasn't. It's crazy making. This is all crazy making. The one that I think is the clearest to see is shifting blame. They shift blame from them onto you so that they don't have to feel the feeling of being uncomfortable. At no point was there a pause and self-reflection on his end when he realized I fell asleep, he wasn't mad at me, 
I'm being an idiot. Let's move on. Instead, I was being questioned to the max, which allowed him basically to like wear me down enough so that his behavior gets dismissed. And for a few moments, I was tricked into thinking I was being too much and handling everything wrong. And the undertone of that entire, of the entire example is that, or the entire example that I said was they will treat you based on how they've convinced themselves how you feel, regardless of what you're feeling and regardless of what you're saying. Until you are feeling the thing that they have predetermined for you. I'm going to give a few other examples. When someone says that they, when someone says that never happened, when they do something wrong and they try to convince you it didn't happen or that you're making too much of it, you're being gaslit. An abuser does not want to feel their own distress. So the only thing that they can do is blame you until you apologize for something you didn't do or think. Another way this comes up is they will tell key stories and admit facts, which I just touched on. For example, she causes a problem every time we visit family. It's like, well, first of all, that's a sweeping generalization. Second, are you leaving out something that you did? Are you leaving out something you said? If we pull the lens back and look at the big picture, what will we see? What will we see that's been left out? A manipulator obviously doesn't want to do that. They want to focus on their on your actions and not theirs. They may even deny that the incident happened in the first place. If someone says blatantly that never happened, when you know that it happened, you need to trust it happened, but you also need to see that that's a common sign of gaslighting. You have to assume that you just don't have selective amnesia and that what you believe and remember happened, happened. And you really need to ask yourself how many times some of these statements and sentences has been said, have been said to you by somebody who claims that they're healthy and that they love you. So how do you work through this? The hardest part of leaving an emotionally abusive relationship is that you have to accept that you're never going to get the closure that you want and you will likely never get someone to see how they treated you. So all this work is actually on you. So one, you will need support, like real support. You will need a friend who you can say, hey, I feel like I'm being gaslit and I need some help and I need to be able to talk to you. I need to be able to bring, I need you to be able to bring me back to reality when I'm losing it. That's really, really powerful and it really helps. There will be friends who can hold the space for you and there will be ones who can't and that's okay. So just find someone who can, or seek out a professional who is certified in emotional abuse and can understand the intricacies. And if you need support, or if you're wondering, is this gaslighting, you can always reach out to me. Two, you need to start to ungaslight yourself through journaling. The abuser will be telling you that you intended things you didn't intend, and that you said things that you didn't say, and that you meant things you don't mean. And it will be important for you to have time with yourself to validate 
how you think and feel. So I will give you a few examples. Um, and this is actually, uh, these are from a journal that I pulled out. And on the hardcover part, I wrote, no one is trying harder than you. I remember that from hearing that from a few friends. And I just remember being like, yeah, I am trying really hard. Nobody would deny how hard I'm trying other than my partner. And so this activity, you would write out what the gaslighter said to you and then write out what you know to be true. And I would literally write down the words that they said if you remember them. And then I give, I invite you to give yourself some space, like walk away, get a cup of tea, some water, go for a walk around the block before you go back to it so you're coming back to it with a clear head. And so here's the first example. What was said to me was, there's the same problems with no change. And this is what I wrote back to myself. This is his problem, not mine. I try and change the best I can. And of course I trip up, but I'm very open to change. I'm literally saying I'm willing to change. I'm in therapy and coaching and I try and change my mind constantly, but I'm the only one actually trying. Here's the second one. Everyone is wrong except for Jess. If you're listening to this and you're a client of mine, you know that that's 100% not true. I'm always willing to see my role and I wouldn't be in the work I was doing if I wasn't willing to be wrong. When I told that to a friend, he was blown away. And I don't blame him. So I basically wrote, I am always willing to look at my side, and I've done that here. After all, I'm the one writing out all of these sentences. When I look at tonight's example, I don't think I was very wrong. Third, I want to invite you to track the abuse. And I talked about this on the last podcast around going through a timeline, but this one's a little different. I really want you just to go line by line and just write out every abusive thing that you feel was said to you or every action that has happened. And just make a list. So that way, when you are feeling like you're going nuts or you're romanticizing them, you have a list to go back to, to read over and to remind yourself the full picture of the relationship. Four. And now this one's illegal, but I'm going to say it because it might be legal in the state that you're in, um, but it's illegal in Massachusetts. I did it one time, but I did it for me. And I truly did it because I kept feeling like I'm, I am fucking tripping up in all these conversations and I want to understand what I'm doing. So I recorded a conversation and I listened back to it and it was extremely eye-opening um there there's a chance that your partner might agree you know you could say like look fine if our conversations are going haywire I think you're wrong you think I'm wrong then let's record it and let both listen back to it and come back to this healthy there's probably only a few situations where that would be a safe idea for you but that's something that is an option you know and while I did it to see what was going on in my head and like if I was tripping up you probably would be doing this to see 
and to hear how you're being gaslit so you can understand your own reality. And the last thing I'm gonna say is that you should start having some auto responses shared for the gaslighter. And I'm gonna share five that are helpful. But you really wanna be as gray rock as possible. I hear you, this is not my experience. If you continue to speak to me like this, I will no longer be engaging. We remember things differently. I know my truth and that's not up for debate. I'm stepping away from this conversation. You are gonna get a reaction the first time that you say any of those. You just have to stand in your power. I promise you, it's over time, it will be much easier for you to say one of those than to engage in the conversation. You know, and I know this was a lot and I invite you to really think about who you were before the relationship. What was your reality? Did you doubt your reality? Do you know what was true? Did you trust yourself? Did you have self-esteem? Did you have more self-esteem than you feel like you have now? How do you even feel right now? Get really real with your reality. And so I'm going to leave it there for today. And like I said, you know, I know this is a lot. And so if you are feeling more confused than when you started, you can feel free to email me at jessica at jessicanightcoaching.com or you can follow me on Instagram at jessicanightcoaching. And just remember there are, you know, while there, while this is all over Instagram, it's actually a real form of psychological torture. So try not to get caught up in saving Instagram memes and do some more work on how to un-gaslight your own personal reality. Please don't hesitate to reach out if you need support.